Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. What are you still doing, Helen? A few days ago, you were desperate to get out, and now you're playing doctor? These people helped me when no one else would. Look, someone came after me here. Zoo, I guess, looking to finish me off. That's how the fire started. And how is that your fault? The little boy's mom is dead because of me. I owe them. I got one thing I can give them as useless as I am with it. That was uh, Shantaram. Uh, new episodes every Friday on Apple TV Plus. Right, Shantaram. Yeah. So, like, I would, I would reckon Shantaram. I put it in the kind of same frame of mind as kind of books that were really, really big for a very short period of time and anyone who is younger than that period has never heard of, like The Beach or uh, you know The Kite Runner or something like that. And this book came out in 2003. It was written by this Australian guy named Gregory David Roberts. It is uh, inspired heavily by his real life. So, uh, you know, right at the very beginning of this, we see Charlie Hunnam doing the worst Australian accent you have ever, <laughs> ever heard. And I mean, like, oh, it is terrible. Um, in prison in, in Melbourne in 1980, and he breaks free. And I will say that this kind of like five minute sequence of breaking out of the jail is thrilling and exciting. And they just waste all that potential <laughs> immediately after that. So um, in his real life, when he escaped from prison, he he was supposed to go to actually Germany via India. This was kind of his way out of Australia. And he landed in uh, Mumbai, although it's oh, it's Bombay in the in the show, and he uh, just became so enamoured with the city that he lived there for many many years, and in doing so, became, becomes involved in local organised crime and prostitution rings, and then he's living in kind of I guess uh, like the slums of of Mumbai, and becomes a he had trained as like an ambulance uh, paramedic, so he has some medical knowledge, so he becomes this kind of quasi doctor amongst the. Mm. <laughs> poor and uh, desperate people living there and it's a very odd show because at this point now I'm four hours into I think a 10 hour run and uh, even though I know I've I repeated me, uh, you know I, it's oft repeated by me how much I enjoy short episodes this is the kind of show that really emphasises the unnecessary bloat of like a long hour because I am now three hours into the, or four hours rather into this show and I still couldn't tell you exactly what it's fully about because each hour has been so disconnected and different and uh, separate from everything that has gone before that it doesn't feel like a serialised television. Well, it does. I mean, it's the same character, sorry. But like it, it isn't building towards anything. It's just sort of mm. listlessly walking around. Now, Charlie Hunnam, I think, is kind of like an interesting kind of actor in the sense that he broke out onto screen in Queer as Folk, I mean, probably that's probably nearly nearly thirty years ago at this point, and since then, you know, he has been constantly working. But I don't think he's ever like ever broken out as this household name or like mm, huge yeah. star. Like he's attached; he has been attached to big things. I guess Sons of Anarchy probably the the most famous. But even Sons of Anarchy is something that I tired of fairly quickly with, and I I gave up on. And as an actor, I don't know if it's just my personal bias coming in. I'm I just I'm never that struck 
by him, right? And so, but, and yet he is the front and centre lead of this show, which has also had like the most troubled production as well, in the sense that when the book was released around 2003, uh, the rights were required for $2 million. Johnny Depp was attached. Wait, this is when Johnny Depp was like a nice guy. <laughs> okay, right? was an actual actor. Yeah. Uh, rather than a litigant. <laughs> then Russell Crowe was attached. <laughs> then Joel Edgerton was attached. Peter Weir was attached at one point to direct and it all fell apart. Then it became uh, like a TV series and they started filming in October 2019. <laughs> you might be able to see where this is going. And, <laughs> um, originally, they actually had to stop for monsoon season, which I guess must be coming up in India. And then, of course, the pandemic struck and that delayed things further. And then one of the the uh, the, the, the showrunners, uh, Eric Warren Singer, uh, probably best known for writing American Hustle and having some involvement in Top Gun Maverick. So he's doing fine for himself, put it that way. He departed from uh, from the project altogether and then a new showrunner came in. And all of that just adds up to this very disjointed, middle-of-the-road show. And here's the problem. We live, in an era, we live in an era where there is no end of shows vying to get your attention, yeah, right? Yeah, And, like, maybe it used to be a year ago, two years ago, I'd be far more patient with things like this and try and go the whole distance. But I'm not doing that anymore <laughs> because there is too much to consume and I'll, you need to be maybe not excellent right from the get-go, but you need to be good mm. from the get-go yeah. to keep me entertained. I would like this, I would liken this to, you know, Apple TV has a few of these kind of middle-of-the-road dramas. Defending Jacob, I gave up on that. The Mosquito Coast, I gave up on that. These are expensive, polished, you know, well-made shows with, with names attached and big casts and big directors and they all look expensive, but there's not enough substance to them. And that, for me, is the case with Chanteram. Right, okay, so fact that's James Ramsey, is the, <laughs> yeah. is there, from what you've seen is the arc that somehow uh, you know he's obviously a criminal yeah. uh, and, and that moving to Mumbai eventually sort of redeems him is that the kind of yeah So and, and, and then with that comes this sort of problematic like not to be you know a tofu eating woke karate person but like there is this kind of like white saviour narrative going on in the show as well right mm. so he, he lands in, in Mumbai and he meets uh, this guy named Prabhu who's played by Shubham Sharaf, uh, who's an Indian actor, and he's this uh, like he's a guy living in the in the like slums of the city who takes him under his wing, or and vice versa. And when he has to go on the run from the law, he ends up living in the in the slums. And at at that time, a fire breaks out, and he becomes the de facto doctor of the place. And this mm. uh, this uh, you know uh, um, uh, attracts the attention of the local underground uh, kingpin, who thinks, oh, you've got some spunk young Aussie while he's doing the worst Australian accent and I really mean that you have ever heard so just all in all it felt like what it's going for is this kind of like not magical realism but this like uh, absolute you know the vibrancy of Mumbai is supposed to be fully on screen at all times and for me it didn't do that like there's a there's a drama on, on Netflix this is terrible I can't remember what it's called something like Mumbai Police or Mumbai Detectives or something mm. like that it's an Indian made drama about India and it's about the police you know service there it is it is very good and I uh, it is well worth seeking out much more so than this. Right. Okay. For, uh, this is more Crocodile Dundee uh, goes to <laughs> India. Really. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to our uh, second show of the day. Uh, this is uh, presumably the timing isn't coincidental. It's The Midnight Club season one now streaming on Netflix. Here is a clip. How about it, Natsuki? Dying to hear the next chapter. Grazing. 
Where did I leave off? He was walking home after the concert. I don't like this one. No offense, Natsuki, you're telling it beautifully. Thank you. <laughs> it's just creepy. Yours are always so creepy. Deal with it. I sat through three full nights of your angel porn. She's got you there, Sandra. I thought you guys liked my angel story. No. All right, then. To those before, to those after. To us now and to those beyond. To those before, to those after. To us now and to those beyond. Seen or unseen, here but not here. Seen or unseen, here but not here. All right. Concert's over, and Ren is walking home. He hadn't planned on staying so late. But he hear that strange music coming from the fine arts wing. And hadn't expected it to be coming from that empty classroom. Right, the Midnight Club. People sitting around telling each other scary stories, James. Yeah, so actually, right, so there's, like, you know the Goosebumps books or stuff like mm, that, right? Yeah. So there's this there's this writer, it's actually a pen name, his name is Christopher Pike, and he wrote this series of, uh, like, spooky-ooky uh, books for teenagers uh, in the 90s. And Mike Flanagan, who made The Haunting of Hill House, his best show, The Haunting of Bly Manor, a so-so show, Midnight Mass, an absolutely appalling show. Uh, so it's diminishing returns with him and he returns to diminish further. Oh, no. and, uh, not quite, right? So I liked more of it than I disliked of it. It's maybe more along the lines of Bly Manor than, than Midnight Mass. But essentially, uh, he took one of Christopher Pike's books, which is Midnight Mass, which is about a group of terminally ill teenagers in a hospice who meet at midnight every evening to scare each other with spooky stories. So very, are you afraid of the dark for nine Kids. And he also then optioned 28 other of Pike's books, of which there are like many. Mm. And they have become the stories that the children tell, the t- these teens tell each other at these midnight okay. uh, club um, sessions. And that is in an, in and of itself a clever use of this pre-existing property because, uh, you know, he, what, what Mike Flanagan can do well is adapt source material. I mean, The Haunting of Hill House is based on Shirley Jackson's story and that's a really, really good, scary show. I really, really liked it. And he's very, he's got real visual panache And this is a secret anthology series, right? Because when the teens meet and have their stories, they're telling these various different little horror stories or, and they're, you know, they're going for different like settings. So like you have 1950s or you have futuristic or you have sci-fi or or whatever. And they are also driving the other, the sort of underlying plot of the story and all that so far so good. I also want to give a huge shout out to the Irish actress Ruth Codd, who plays Anya, not Anya, but Anya, the, uh, <laughs> who, uh, who is one of the um, teenagers there, who is by a mile the standout of all of them. She is absolutely fantastic. She plays the kind of sarky one with all the best lines, which is the role to get in mm. a show like this. And she has joined the Flanagan Repertory Society because he has also in the, at the moment putting finishing touches on uh, what's it called? Something of the Usher. The Fall of the House of Usher, which oh, is a, right. which is an Edgar Allan Poe mm. thing that he's making for Netflix, and she has been cast in that. So she's she's part of the club. But all in all, it's a mixed bag, right? I will say this is uh, unlike his other shows. This isn't a mini series. This is planned as a multi season show. So this is season oh. one. And while you're watching it, there's this. You know, I'm not. You know, I won't, without going into great details of of the plot. There is also stuff involving um, some god goddess worshipping cults and 
uh, and sacrifices. Uh, along with all of the, you know, that's happening in real life uh, while right, all of okay. the stories are happening in at midnight. And when they, when they tell each other the stories, do then do you see dramatic depictions of these you stories do. with these actors or different actors? With these actors and other actors as well, yeah. many of whom come from the Flanagan Repertory Club, right? Thank and you, you have seen before. A lot of work there. A lot yeah. of work there. And the other thing, uh, the other kind of interesting casting is you have also here, uh, you have Heather Langenkamp, who people will know as Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one. Mm. She plays Dr. Stanton, the, uh, you know, the adult, right? Yeah. The, the, the de facto parent of the group who has to wag her finger and give out to them for, you know, going around the house at night when things are going bump in the night. Now, it is part of the Flanagan verse, whatever that means, which, and by that I, I mean, um, it is, you know, he can do a, a jump scare really easily. And in fact, the opening episode, uh, can t- it, it has the Guinness World Record for the most jump scares in a single episode <laughs> of TV at 21. And those are creepy and spooky. And look, he knows how to design, a, uh, you know, an ooky spooky ghost. I've seen that before in his in his first two shows. But I've also seen him uh, lose control of the reins if you watched Midnight Mass, which I did, and yeah. I regretted it. And like that, that was full of these grandiose, uh, you know, quasi, quasi religious and you know philosophical ramblings on the nature of existence, and it was really boring. Mm. <laughs> Where, and it was a show about vampires on an island, and you're like, would you just get <laughs> with the blood sucking? Yeah, right. And here we get teenagers who are dying, right? and who are maudlin and a bit miserable but also you know striking up romances and and being teens so I think it is skewering more towards a younger audience yeah. and therefore you need to go in with your eyes open to that as an adult but all in it's an okay Halloween package when season 2 comes around I'll give it a whirl I went the distance of the 10 episodes okay. there are good jump scares and, and it's that time of year right okay Fair enough. Uh, can't get further than that. Right, <laughs> the longest title of the week. Uh, Niall Horan's Homecoming, The Road to Mullingar with Lewis Capaldi. Uh, you can catch up with that on the Virgin Media Player. Here's a clip. How was your Irish accent? Well, you see, he, told, he told me earlier that it's gotten better. That's gotten better. Let's go on, go on. Well, give me some. Well, lads, what's the crack? Well, lads, what's the crack? That was actually all right, that the one. The crack huh? was a bit scouse. Crack. Oh, the crack. What's the crack? What's the crack, ladies? <laughs> what else have you got? What do you usually say? What are some of your lines ah, here? come here. You can't be at that stop, will you? <laughs> stop. It's a joke. You can't go to that joke. And then, what's your Dublin accent? <laughs> all right, yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> oh, you listen. You look like a stripe, yeah? <laughs> what are you asking her that? Oh, what's Mara Higgins? Uh, where's she from? <laughs> what are you asking her that? He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> what are you asking her that? She, she's from like 10 minutes away from us. Yeah, she's asking that. You're mad thing. Go on, you good thing. <laughs> That's good, that go on, you good thing. Go on, you good thing. Go on, you good thing. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, the, the road to Mullingar with Liz, Lewis Capaldi is an odd kind of... I thought so too. Uh, oddly phrased, <laughs> yeah. but uh, as if Lewis Capaldi's digging it up or something. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what is this? Okay, so uh, these are obviously two very successful uh, pop stars, I th- I'm going to say, in this part of the world. Uh, Niall Horan, known, of course, as a emeritus One Direction member and Lewis Capaldi as singer-songwriter... Uh, du jour maybe of 2022 or 2020 I, anyway whenever but yeah. but I'm sure a new album is on the way and they are good mates I guess in real life and to be honest with you when I was watching this uh, they meet in Belfast they drive to Mullingar via Dublin and part of it is 
it seems to be like a tourism Ireland ad where they go out and do various things like the, at the Guinness Storehouse or they walk around Temple Bar or they go to a guitar factory and they do all these various things with the ultimate end goal of reaching Mullingar, where Niall Horan is from, and performing a gig together. Okay. And to, like it might sound strange when I say the thing it reminded me the most of is the Rob Bryden uh, and what's that? Uh, Steve Coogan show. Oh, right, when they the went trip, around Europe. Right? Yeah. yeah. Where they're okay. sitting in the car and you guess, you know, I guess in that show they're ad-libbing um, a lot of it because mm. they are comedians and they're funny. And Niall Horan deserves some due. Niall Horan is charming and funny and Louis Ca- Louis Capaldi is a very good foil to that because he's also charming and very funny. Okay. So the bits where they're sitting in a car and just kind of chatting to each other and doing funny voices, I mean, like it actually is so, it's like the, it's like the trip for Ch- for Gen Z. That is basically what it is, right? So basically, like where they're just having back and forth and uh, making jokes and doing funny voices, that's all really funny. Where it kind of uh, could do with a bit of, bit of tightening up is in the other bits, in the, you know, quote-unquote Tourism Ireland bits, where yeah, they're going yeah. off to an oyster farm or they're playing music at Abbey Road, or not, sorry, at Windmill Lane, sorry, I don't, Abbey Road, I've gone, <laughs> gone a bit off. <laughs> well, you can rough equivalency, yeah, one right? say, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, so, but long story short, I there are parts of it that are very, very, very charming. And it certainly is a good showcase for them doing this once every two years where, you know, are they going to do this in Scotland? I could easily, where Lewis Capaldi is from, yeah. I could easily see that happening. Ah. I could, are they going to do it in some other part of the world? I could easily see that happening. And it is being distributed internationally by Amazon Video Prime. And obviously they have inbuilt a huge audience because there are still a lot of One Direction fans out there who have a lot of time for Niall because he was also just made a judge on The Voice in the US. So he has, like, he has, you know... For, he has for, a following in his own right. He has a following in his own right. Way, yeah. Is, is right. Yeah. And he... And, and what is very clear and obvious when you're watching this is he's very charming, right? Okay. And people like him. And he has lots of celebrity friends because he seems to be really good crack to hang out with when they hang out together. And the bits where you're watching two friends have fun together make for a very pleasant viewing. Right. Okay. Well, we can look forward to that being uh, their future careers. James Dempsey, thanks a million. Thank you. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. On News Talk.